Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you're listening to episode two of season three of the Running Technique Tips podcast. This season we're talking all things cross-country and road racing and training. Lisa Biffin joining me as always via Sydney has had to retreat to the car because the internet coverage is so bad. How are you going, Lisa? I know. I'm feeling um, a bit strange. I've been relegated to the car sitting at the front of my house. It's I, I don't want to start off too negative, but I tell you what, the internet um, in this country is a massive bugbear of mine at the moment. And I, can, I feel like I can complain about it because I spent the better part of 15 years of my career working in telecommunications. So. Yes. I just, I'm completely dumbfounded that I live in the biggest city in Australia and I actually live in the city and I, ca- I have no internet coverage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy with my uh, internet oh. coverage in, in Ballarat. I know. Got my optical fibre to the house. It's fantastic here in Ballarat. Oh, do you know, I will actually, once we finish recording, I'll take a picture of the current setup. It's actually quite ridiculous sitting in my yes. car. Hiding away at the front of my house, but I will say it's school holidays and today it's a day off. So it's actually probably the most peaceful place in my house because I've got a two-year-old and four-year-old yes. running right in the house and uh, their daddy's home. They're not on their own whilst yeah, I'm yeah, riding in yeah. the car. Well, the car's not a bad recording studio because, you know, there's all that sort of um, sound insulation and all of that kind of stuff. So you you actually sound pretty good there. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe it's uh, something to do moving forward, but I actually get some sort of reception. But, oh, dear, we're off to a good start. It, uh, <laughs> it's put a smile on my face anyway, the ridiculousness yeah. of it. But how are you going? We uh, we caught up last, gosh, nearly not quite a week ago now in, um, in Canberra. It was a much nicer year this year. It was, yeah. In our nation's capital, put on a spectacular weather display for the Australian Running Festival. And I, I know you got there a little bit earlier because um, – JT ran the 10K on the, mm. the Saturday, but yeah, I didn't roll into town with my brother and his family uh, to meet them and my sister and her family until sort of late on Saturday. But yeah, when I went across to pick up my number at about four o'clock, it was, yeah, the weather was beautiful and balmy mm. and, it, and it continued into Sunday. So yeah, the weather was amazing. Quite warm, actually, almost almost too warm, I would probably <laughs> say, for, especially for perhaps the marathon and ultra marathon runners, Maybe not such a big deal for us in the half. Yeah, it might have got a bit uncomfortably warm late, especially if you were not at the front end of the field. Because if you're, yeah, if you're spending more than three and a half to four to five hours out there, yeah, it could have got quite warm towards the end. I was thinking that, and I'm not one that, especially in a half marathon, I very rarely actually take on fluid. I, I find mm. that you know being out there for sort of ninety minutes or a little bit less, I don't necessarily need it. And I don't actually tend to drink in my training runs, but I did actually um, grab some fluid at a couple of the aid stations mm. because it was, it probably would have been, oh, reaching up to 16-ish degrees, I think, when we were running, maybe even a bit warmer. And, mm. you know, that's not, it, it's not super, super hot, but um, it's, it's pretty, it's still, you know, when you're, you're covering that distance, it is pretty warm. Yeah, and, and you would have been a bit warmer than me because you're running a bit faster, so that generates <laughs> generates a lot more body heat. Uh, do we want to do we want to do a bit of a recap because it actually was it's probably a bit of the disappointing weekend for for all of us, but there was some some positives to take out of it. 
Do you want to do you want to go first or or shall I? Shall we? No, shall we hear? Let's start with you. But I, okay. I do want to say before you you kick off because we didn't actually see each other before the race, and I uh, was sort of looking out for you as we were running along, and then I got really worried that maybe you had decided that you just didn't want to do it at all <laughs> because I hadn't heard from you and I couldn't see you during the run, and I'm thinking, oh, he's bailed. It's just. <laughs> I, I, I did, did actually, I did actually see you and call out to you, but uh, maybe you were going too fast or too delirious to notice who it was. Oh, probably more the, more of the latter. But tell us about your uh, run in the half marathon. Yes, yeah, so I was probably a bit over optimistic about the sort of time that I might be capable of running off my fairly limited volume three and five k training that we'd been doing. So I was kind of hoping that I might be able to do low 90 minutes. So, you know, I I didn't think I was ever going to break 90 minutes, but I thought maybe I was capable of a 92, 93-ish. But that turned out to be not the case. And pretty early on in the the race, I could see that my heart rate was a little bit higher than what I thought it should be for the pace that I was running. And for those that have done the half marathon course, Canberra, it, it does probably actually get your heart rate up fairly early because the first couple of kilometres are actually uphill as you run mm. around the the backside of Parliament House. So, yeah, if you're going to see a bit of a heart rate spike, it's definitely going to arrive early and that was, that was definitely the case for me. And, look, I, I was kind of semi-optimistic that things might come good and I think I, was, I sort of ran the first K in about 4.39 and the second K was a 4.32. But by the time I got to the end of the second K, climbing up that hill, my heart rate was already getting up close to 160. So it was sort of 157 average heart rate through the second kilometre, which wasn't too bad. I thought, you know, if I can keep it there, then and once I get onto the downhill section, I might be able to work down my pace and sort of keep the heart rate the same or even drop it back a bit. And that sort of happened a little bit. I, I had some spurious data in kilometer number three where my my (laughs) gps told me that i'd run a 351 kilometer which clearly i hadn't and i i I don't know i had a bit of a conspiracy theory that it might have been something to do with being near parliament house maybe they interfere with gps there for security (laughs) reasons but yeah it was way out and that that meant my gps was out for the kilometer markers for the rest of the race which was a bit unfortunate but getting back to kind of sort of working down to my pace because I thought, you know, if I can run low 420s or mid 420s, I'm, I'm sort of going to end up in that in that ballpark of a, a low 90-minute run. So I started working down to 424, ran a 425 and average heart rates were 157 and 160. And then I reached that point where you do that little cloverleaf climb up to the bridge. Yeah, yeah. And I was basically starting to slow at that point and my heart rate was going up. So it was pretty much there at about seven or eight kilometres that I knew that it wasn't going to be the most amazing day. So that was sort of 435, 431. Heart rate was getting up to 166 by the end of the eighth kilometre. So pretty much from that point on, and even when we got onto the freeway heading out towards the turnaround, I was just mentally processing the fact that I had to back off a bit. And that's pretty much what I did. So through the 
sort of like 10 to 15K. I was sort of like 430, mid 430s. And by the time I got to 15K, I was running 448 <laughs> kilometer pace um, at 167 average heart rate. So my goal then was sort of changed. And I just thought, well, there's, there's not really any point in striving for running as fast as I possibly can. I, I just need to try and finish this as comfortably as possible. So the last basically six kilometers, I ranged between 450. 455, had a couple mm. of four, a 503 and a 502 and a Ooh. 459 and a five minute to f- sort of finish off. So, so yeah, I was basically started out with sort of thresholdy sort of pace and ended up at marathon sort of pace, um, all in the endeavor to sort of really not blow myself up, which all added up to uh, about a one hour 40 and I think it was six or seven seconds. So, mm. yeah, it was a bit away from what I thought I might be able to do. But in hindsight, looking back at the training that I'd done, I hadn't really done enough um, actual volume to run a decent half. I really wasn't fit enough to do it. Um, hey, did you do a warm-up um, beforehand or what, what I, did you do? I basically, I didn't really. I basically walked down with my brother from the accommodation, which was about a 3K walk. So by the time we got down to the start line, it wasn't really time to do much of a warm-up. Do you think because, you know, you're spot on that course – the you know the first couple of k's being uphill and, and it's not a gradual uphill like it is a bit of a climb for for such a long distance that maybe a bit of a jog warm-up would have been better or probably yeah and it wouldn't have done me any harm anyway to do a little bit of jogging warm-up uh, having said that i didn't kind of leap out of the block super fast and you know the, the start's pretty slow anyway because it's fairly crowded so um mm. It was the first kilometre being 4.39. Uh, I bet I would have started that kilometre at five-minute pace, I would say, um, and then probably worked down a little bit. Mm. So, yeah, look, a, a warm-up probably would have been optimal, but um, I wasn't too stressed about it. And, mm. and look, overall, as I went through the run, I was just processing the fact that I hadn't done enough training and I was I was probably fairly sanguine about it. By the time I got to the finish, I'd sort of processed it and thought, oh, yeah, that was okay and basically got a good solid 21K training run out of it and I was pretty mindful of the fact that I was fairly excited and keen to have a good cross-country and road racing season and I didn't want to kind of bury myself by going too far into the red zone in this half marathon and risking either an injury or just feeling flat for the next four weeks or something. So, um, mm. so yeah, I just kind of backed off the gas. Do you want to hear my quick post-race reflection? Yeah, I do. I'd love to. There's a little bit of my brother in this as well. Well, here I am uh, after the Canberra half marathon and wasn't the greatest day out there. I think I've crossed the line in just over... One hour and 40 minutes, so it wasn't quite what I thought I might be able to do, which was low 90s. That's okay. Uh, It's turned into probably a pretty good long long tempo slash marathon pace training run. It was kind of a tempo run for for some of the race, uh, but towards the end it was definitely marathon pace as I was slowing down and was overtaken by the 140 pace group. So not sure what lesson to take out of that. Definitely last year I'd run a lot more Ks coming into that race, even though they were slow. Had done, uh, I think, a couple of high six, maybe even an 80K week, or, and, and had certainly done some two-hour long runs um, nice and slow coming into the race, whereas this year... With our 3K, 5K challenge, I'd focused a lot more on trying to run fast over 3 and 5K and only put together really two 60K weeks, so probably not enough Ks in the legs to produce a decent half marathon, which, like the marathon, is a distance that I tend to struggle with. I'm here with my brother. How bad did I look out there, Andrew? Oh, I wouldn't thought you looked bad. You didn't look bad at all to me. You didn't look fast, but you didn't look bad. <laughs> I definitely didn't feel fast either, so uh, but yeah, that was a good fun day out there. Lots of people having a good time and... 
Luckily, didn't see anyone in distress, which is nice. Bit of a change from the marathon last year, which is pretty awful. And yeah, so it was a pretty good day, all told. Hopefully, I can actually pick up some uh, good fitness for the cross country season out of that out of that run, because there's no way I would have done a training run that long or that hard by myself without these race conditions. So anyway, I might sign off for now and see if I can find Lisa. And you actually sound you. yeah. You actually sound quite upbeat, to be honest. But as you just said, you probably had the time to digest and reflect and come out at peace with yourself and your performance before you jumped on the microphone. I, I did, yeah. I was pretty comfortable with what had, what had happened, and yeah, sort of worked worked through it while I was out on the run. So yeah, I, I was actually not unhappy with how it went all told and look I went back and actually looked at my training from last year because I hadn't really done that and maybe I should have because I had a good six weeks of quite solid mileage leading into the half marathon at Canberra last year Mm. Um, I think I had a few weeks at a couple of weeks at 50k a couple of week in the 60s and I think I'd actually had a high a couple of mid to high 70 kilometer weeks and as I mentioned in that recap I'd actually done I'd done more long more longer runs than I thought I'd, I think I'd done three two-hour long runs in the lead up to that so I'd done a significantly larger amount of volume than I have this year so that would definitely explain the, <laughs> the difference in the results and and look I, yeah. I, re- I really went as hard as I could last year as well but obviously you can do that when you've got a little bit more fitness behind you whereas um, if I'd tried to do that this time I think it would have been counterproductive. Imagine if you had have done the marathon like you had signed up to. <laughs> well, yeah. Luckily, I was sensible enough to, to not do that uh, because, yeah, that would have been uh, fairly horrible. I might have mm. still been out there six hours later. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, well, look, it was, uh, as you say, I think if you, you dig deep and you actually go back and look at the facts, maybe ambition and fitness uh, we just weren't aligned this race. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think am- ambition uh, was yes well ahead of reality in in this case. So um, looking back at looking back at that training before we jumped on and recording now was um, was actually good. Maybe before we move on to you, I just wanted to quickly mention Kevin Liebethal, who we had on a couple of times to yeah. talk to us about our injury wo- woes. He's a Melbourne based physiotherapist, and he ran three hours and nineteen minutes, which I think i'm not 100 sure whether that's a pb for him but i think it is and that was a, a pretty uh, impressive run particularly on the rolling hills yeah, of that canberra circuit definitely like I, I don't know exactly where the marathon course goes but i think it covers the same course as the half marathon um, it does yeah. and it's you know like it, it's not you're not climbing mountains but it's certainly not super flat and you know if you're if you're having a rough day you're feeling a bit tired those those climbs can actually feel like you're scaling a mountain they they can yeah i certainly recall going up them a little bit easier last year than this year so yeah anyone who did the or anyone actually ran who runs well in the half or the the full marathon at canberra They've done a pretty impressive effort because, yeah, it is rolling hills. It's not an easy or a flat course by any stretch. No, no, it's not. But well, you've you've ticked it off. You've done your your longest, quickest run for quite a while. Yeah, um, and you finished in one piece. How's the body actually? Pretty good. I was in reasonable shape after the race. I, I was a little bit stiff and sore the next day, and probably the day after that, I wasn't helped by the fact that I've, I probably spent about 10 hours in the car getting back from Canberra on mm. on the Monday. But Tuesday, I jumped into the gym and did a recovery workout, and that actually felt pretty good. 
And then I rolled into, um, started a new job this week and had a couple of days of commuting back and forth to Melbourne. So I didn't bother trying to run between Monday and Thursday and got out for my first run today being Good Friday. Oh, the man of pleasure is over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big back to reality. So managed to do about seven and a half Ks in 40 minutes this morning at around sort of 5.30 kilometre pace average. And I felt really good for the first couple of Ks and then about three or four Ks in I started to feel, yeah, I've still got a little bit of soreness in the legs through the the quads and a little bit of tiredness in the hamstrings. So um, I went to the gym after the run and just did another light recovery gym workout. But I think it's probably going to take me another couple of days to probably fully get that half marathon out of my legs. So Mm. I don't think I'll be doing anything too quick for probably at least another week, I'd say. Mm. It's a long way, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a long way on a hard surface and, you know, you're going a lot harder than what you normally do, even even if you did back off a little bit. So halves can tend to bang up the body. Mm. Oh, I, I definitely agree. So let's talk about you. Do you, do you want to hear your recap first or do you want to give us the, the story of <laughs> how the day went for you? Oh, look, we might start with the story and then the I, I think I sound a bit El Depresso after... <laughs> After my my recap, and I have definitely digested it all now, and I'm uh, I'm back to positive Lisa. But it was a really weird one, actually. You know, I had high hopes just because I am fit at the moment, and you know that point in time that you reach in your fitness where um, you're no longer surprised. You know, you've been talking about recently how your fitness has finally arrived and every time that you step out for a run, you're just feeling strong and good and you really don't have many issues. Well, that's how I've been feeling. So I was going in, you know, with a lot of confidence and it was just really bizarre though. On the Friday, we drove up on the Friday and it's only about three and a bit hours from Sydney and I decided to just do a bit of a shakeout run. I I think I did about two and a half kilometers and then just a couple of strides, mainly just because I was a bit worried about just like you sitting, the hip flexors and the knee. So with my friend, we just did this really easy jog and my heart rate was just absolutely through the roof. And I I really had no explanation for it. My, My daughter had been a little bit sick during the week and I thought, am I fighting something off? I'm not sure. But tried to sort of just put that to the side and, you know, remain positive. And then on Saturday, I actually went out to watch the 5 and the 10K because JT, my husband, was running the 10K and he's in a similar situation to me at the moment, except he's actually better. Um, every time he steps onto the the racetrack, he's just absolutely hitting it out of the park. So, you know, we thought that he would be in sub 35 shape without even really thinking there'd be much of an issue and watched on the 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 timing app, which was excellent, actually, the app that uh, the Australian Running Festival had. And he went through 5K in just a touch over 18 minutes. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure what's happened. I, you know, I hope he's okay. And then I saw him run past and then he finished. And I think he finished on um, 36.43 was his uh, official time, which was a, you know, a 70 or 80 second PB, but far off what um, he actually, what we all thought, and what his fitness even indicated that he could do. And so, so both of you probably got a bit of a low level sickness. Yeah. And so you asked him about his heart rate as well. And he just said he felt exhausted. He said, you know, within the first 500 meters, you know, a pace that should normally have felt very easy to him. He said he went out sort of in 330s, which, you know, he's been running you know, 310s, 312s um, in training. So 330 should honestly feel 
feel very easy for him. And he said he just was already gasping for air and his heart rate, uh, I think, was in the high 160s within the first K. And he just thought this is just not going well. And he, and he did continue on. So when he said that and just the way he looked, I started to get a bit worried <laughs> just because my heart rate had been high. But again, tried to put it to the side. And anyway, ran down um, to the start on the Sunday and again, I just felt off. Like it wasn't, I didn't feel sick or anything. I just, it just didn't feel easy. It just all felt really hard. And sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you're warming up for a race, like your body starts to shut down, maybe preserving Mm. all of its energy for what you're about to put it through. And then when you actually start racing, it comes to life. So I kept telling myself, well, that, you know, that's what's happening. (laughs) You'll, you'll feel great when the, when the gun goes. So I was still pretty calm and then was on the start line. I was got to be pretty much on the, on the front of the start line this year and the gun went off and I took off and I said you know I was going to sit behind the 85 minute paces and the whole field just went past me and I just thought oh gosh quick start today but I looked down at my watch and I actually I wasn't sure of the actual pace that I was running but I saw my heart rate and it was 175 Mm -hmm. and this was in the first 500 meters and I just thought oh no, what is going on? But similar to what you explained just before about how you pretty much head uphill at the start, I had all the same thoughts. I thought, that's fine. Relax, settle in. Your heart rate's just high because you're going up the hill. It will go back down as you head back down the hill. But as I was running along, the 85-minute pacer just kept on getting further away. (laughs) My heart rate continued to climb. It actually got up to 195. And at the third K, I I actually wanted to pull out. (laughs) I just, I kind of fell into just a a ball of negativity and I was having a bit of a pity party, to be honest. And I just wanted to quit. And I just sort of pulled myself together and I said, okay, Lisa, you know, you actually need to preserve yourself here. Your heart rate's high. You need to get this under control before anything else happens. Sub 84 is totally gone. Forget about it. Just try and relax. So I also decided in that minute that I wasn't doing Gold Coast Marathon. (laughs) (laughs) I was having all sorts of, you know, why am I doing this sort of moments? So that's really what I focused on. And I, I managed to start to feel better with my breathing. But when I went back and had a look at my heart rate, it, it averaged at 175. So it, it actually never dropped. And I haven't seen this type of data, you know, running that type of pace for such a long time now. So something wasn't right. I don't know what it was. And then I said to myself, well, get to 10K and just, just try and feel comfortable. And as I was, I ran past six Ks and there was an aid station just around then. So that's, I started grabbing some fluid because of that. Mm. And then at six Ks, I actually started to feel okay. And I started to catch a few girls. And then I said to myself, all right, well, maybe try and, because you know how it doubled, the course doubles back on itself. So you can always sort of see people. And I started to count what position I was in. And I think at one stage I was maybe in 15th position and I thought, right, 
let's let's see if you can make top 10. And I was I was catching girls and I got to the 10k mark and I, I think my my marathon fitness started to really play in here and I was gaining on people and the 85 minute pace was actually coming back to me and I thought right it's now 2 by 5k and then a 1k sprint home. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know whether you employ these tactics but when I'm having a tough day I try to play little games with myself. I find that it works quite well in my head anyway. So it was, you know, 5Ks, 20 minutes, get through that, and then we'll just reassess the next, you know, 5K. But so I was running along and I was catching, 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 and I was just about to go past a girl to go into 10th position. And we were rounding up to the 17th K and then good old runner's knee kicked in. And it was good night for me. (laughs) So I was actually really disappointed at that stage because I was actually starting to run on really strong. And then when I went back to look at my pace, I was running 4.05 average um, and I was actually starting to tick down a bit quicker. I was getting to 404s. And look, once the knee goes, I just I just can't do anything. And I stepped over to the side and I was actually going to step off. And then again, I thought, oh God, you've come so far. Let's just see how far you can run before it becomes agonizing. And I was able to sort of hold on to the side of my hip. It was actually stemming from my hip this time. Mm. And if I was running along pretty much with one arm and um, holding onto my hip, which would have been a fabulous sight, looked like I was just (laughs) giving myself a bit of a a touch-up. Did did the course (laughs) photographer catch any of that? (laughs) Well, I don't think so. I haven't seen them in the photos unless there's some like special X-rated ones. I'm not sure. But my pace dropped off. I started running 4.25s and there was just absolutely nothing I could do. And I rallied again with about a K to go and I just thought, oh gosh, it's 1K, just you know, get to the finish line. Um, and I ended up finishing in one hour, 27.21, which was one second quicker than my quickest time last year. <laughs> still pretty good time. <laughs> oh, look, it was, but I'll be honest, I was so disappointed and I wasn't disappointed because of the time. I'd, I, I was disappointed and frustrated because of the knee. I just, I, I was, I was actually really annoyed. So, um, yeah, I think you can probably hear it in the negativity and <laughs> frustration in my voice when I, I pretty much walked over to my phone and I was like, right, I'm just going to have a rant into my phone. <laughs> well, I don't think it's as bad as you remember. So let, let's have a listen to that now. Okay, I just finished the Canberra half and I think I ran 87.22, but pretty disappointed. My knee, it went on me. Once that goes, it's pretty much all over. So. Uh, just to struggle to the finish line. Um, but to be honest, it was just pretty hard the whole way. My heart rate was 170s in the first K and I don't really know what happened today. So uh, I think it's, I'm not sure, it's just probably back to the drawing board. I've got to sort this knee out because uh, it's really stopping in my tracks at the moment. But um, yeah, it didn't, didn't get close to what I wanted. But uh, never mind. Next time. So a little bit downbeat, but <laughs> you weren't too, too far down in the dumps. Oh, yeah. Look, I can just hear frustration in my voice, which is exactly what I was feeling. And I'll be honest, I, I'm i not someone who really gets down that often. And running is usually something that I can get over pretty quickly if it's a, a poor result. But I was just, the knee has just frustrated me because I feel like I've been doing 
everything right. I've been in the gym three to four times a week. I've been feeling quite strong. I've been feeling quite fit. And I just, I think I was just out of explanations at, at that yeah. point. So, so just, just on that though, like I think we spoke about it last week that you sort of ticked up to doing pretty much your marathon volume in the last yeah. few weeks and mm-hmm. maybe that build up potentially did that you think that maybe came a little bit too quickly or too early in your campaign a hundred percent so after I got over myself which was aided by binging on 12 dumplings fried rice (laughs) a bag of easter eggs and half a packet of tiktoks (laughs) very good I wallowed in my self-pity for half a day and collected myself and started to reflect a bit on Monday. And I went back through my training. And one good thing about, I guess, keeping notes and and keeping a diary is that uh, you can go back and, as you have just done, you actually start to piece together why things actually happened. And about mm, four weeks ago, I would say now, I crept up and I did a 20-kilometre run and it was about an hour 45. And I actually made the comment that my knee was a bit grumpy. But instead of backing it back, the next week I followed up and did another 80K week Mm. and another 20K run. And I made another comment about my knee being a bit grumpy. And then the next week, I think I did 70Ks, but I did the mountain run. Um, And whilst that wasn't the, the distance wasn't, you know, as, as far as 20Ks, the terrain and obviously uh, there was some weaknesses happening and then I had the easy week and then obviously the Canberra race. So 100%. I think I think I need to get stronger in this, like this hip and this knee, but I need to be very careful about those long runs consecutively. Longer recovery between those might be something to consider moving yeah. forward. I think that's it. So I'm actually going to sit down this weekend. We've got a bit of a break um, coming up with some Easter holidays and Anzac Day, et cetera, here in Australia. So I want to pull apart my training and maybe become, maybe not um, unconventional, but, you know, really trying to personalise it really towards these weaknesses. So I know that I can run long distances and maybe unlike you, the, the distance doesn't scare me and I've get, maybe got some natural endurance. But, you know, if, if you have these injuries, there's, you just can't perform regardless. Yeah. Well, you're talking to Mr. Unconventional, so bring it on, <laughs> I say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So once I pulled it apart, I might share it with you next week and throw around some ideas of what I'm thinking. But, you know, as much as I love going out for those Sunday long runs with the group, I actually just don't think it, it suits this weakness that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the social aspect of it, which is really important, you could potentially do part of those runs or join in on them a bit later, perhaps. Yeah, no, exactly. So, and look, to be honest, where we run, we basically do loops of a park so I can stop at any stage. I'm not, you know, I'm not at risk of going out for 10 or 15 Ks and being stuck out there. So there's definitely some options. And I think, again, we sometimes need to move past our ego and thinking, you know, I've done X amount of Ks or I'm doing this long run and actually get smart and think, well, what works for me? Because irrespective of how, you know, my heart rate was going, I actually think that I would have registered about a high 85 minute. And if I had have run that and the knee hadn't have gone, I actually would have been ecstatic. I don't think it's a true reflection of where my fitness is at the moment, but some days it's just not your day. Um, No, that's right. And that's what I was thinking about as well. I mean, you can only do what your body's prepared to give on any particular day. And I think that's really true for 
any of the longer events yeah. and if you try and push past that like I did in the marathon last year it's only ever going to end in tears so <laughs> that was you know the one thing I was proud of myself for was like just recognizing the signs early and backing off and look to I think to an extent you did that as well during your race so yeah um, 100% and I must admit I am thoroughly enjoying being quite disciplined and running to the heart rate I didn't have my pace on <clears throat> at all during the run. And I think if I had have had the pace on and seen that I was, you know, running 405s from the beginning, I think psychologically, I would have had a different effect. I would have sort of beaten myself up a bit about, come on, you've got to push harder, as opposed to seeing my 175 heart rate and going, something's wrong. <laughs> I was looking at it thinking I actually had pace and heart rate on my watch face and I, I actually found that quite helpful because I thought, well, I'm not running that fast and my heart rate is high. So that really quickly meant something's, you know, it's not going to plan. So you just need to be a bit careful about not pushing too hard today. Yeah, exactly. So look, all in all, I guess it wasn't really our weekend because I usually like to look for something positive. I have started my yearly campaign one second quicker than I finished last year's campaign. Very <laughs> On good. On the course too. So <laughs> um, that's, you know, that's something positive. And I have made the decision that I won't be doing Gold Coast Marathon. I had a, a bit of a self-reflection and thinking the reason I decided I wanted to do it was not because I actually wanted to do it, was because of just the utter disappointment from New York and being unwell. Yeah. And the reality is I just couldn't get my head in the game and I think if you're trying to force something like you with Canberra it's it's too long a distance it's not a 5k or a 10k or even a half marathon that you can sort of bluff your way through 42ks with your head not in the game it's a yep. long way much too long much too long well we've got actually got a bit of audio of you and I and also a bit more of my brother having a chat once I found you I might play that for us now. I'll just pull up some of my splits. So my knee went at 17 k's, oh. and I I blew out to 4.10, then 4.25. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing you can do when the knee goes. No. But uh, yeah, the heart rate, one high 170s, mid 180s, yeah. got to Whoa. 195. Whoa. I, I don't know what happened. It yeah. was a yeah. Just one of those days. My heart rate was high as well early on, so I knew I wasn't on. So it was just a progressive slowdown. Just became a, a very long, <laughs> slow, Sunday run. very long, slow threshold run. Yeah. As I tried to keep my heart rate under 170. I think I did actually tell myself though during the run that I don't think I'm going to do Gold Coast Marathon. I just, yeah. I don't think I'm recovered. I genuinely don't think I'm recovered from New York. I, I was just, just, I was just saying to Andrew as, as I was doing this that I could really retire from this hard yeah. marathon, marathon <laughs> business. It's too hard. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't believe you made a rookie error. I forgot <laughs> to trim your toenails. <laughs> That's true. Didn't turn the toenails this morning, so I could feel, I could feel um, my toes rubbing in my shoes a little bit. So. Oh, no, that's yeah. not a good one. Why yeah. would you do it this morning anyway? There's other more important things to do than trim oh. your toenails. Yeah, no, I like the distance, but I just I just can't get my head into it. And I think, yeah. you know, you, it's just as much mental as it is physical. So, and, you know, you can get through a half suffering with sore knee and bad heart rate, but you can't get through a marathon with... Nah. 
not you, you're not in like in the good mindset or yeah. good shape. So yeah. I think I might focus on a couple of good tens, which yep. will be perfect, and then try and yeah, maybe run sub eighty four in Gold Coast because this was hilly. I, yeah, it was I, very hilly. I don't yeah. remember it being this hilly last year. Yeah. I think I was in just a really relaxed state, but this yeah. year trying to race it, I felt every. <laughs> you, you probably went out a fair bit slower last year and built into it. Maybe yeah, a bit more. yeah, I didn't blow up as well. I only blocked because of my knee, yeah. but yeah, I, I noticed that there were a lot more climbs. So yeah. anyway, well, I think I ran the exact same time that I ran at Gold Coast last year. So yeah. oh, that's good. I started. I'm starting this year where I finished yeah. last year. So yeah. I'm going backwards. So. <laughs> could be headed into retirement and, you're, you're uh, moving into a coaching role uh, yeah coaching slash full-time podcasting not running Very anyway well, andrew said apparently you got beaten by a guy in tracksuit pants which, oh. mean, which means i got beaten by a guy in tracksuit pants no and... do you know so i was actually running at the end and this guy came up beside me and he goes we are not getting beaten by that are uh, we <laughs> andrew heard that i saw him on that bend and you did <laughs> And I said to him, I was like, we are. I said, but my knee's gone. I can't uh, do anything about it. I said, yeah. it's up to you, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, well, don't worry about it. Don't feel any shame because remember I got beaten by the pink fairy at the Melbourne Marathon. So, you know, there's no shame in getting beaten by a guy running in uh, tracksuit pants. Very yeah, good. But anyway, right. I think I finished 10th overall oh, so well for, for the women. Yeah, so, that's good. Um, it was a strong field this year, actually. Yeah. It was a really strong field in the half. So... I think, uh, was it my... Oh, Millie Clark. Millie Clark. She was motoring ahead, yeah. a long, long, long way yes. ahead. Um, I saw her a long way ahead of everyone. Ahead of me. But, uh, yeah, when I knew my day wasn't going well, I thought, right, let's see if I can make the top ten, and I just yep. crept in. <laughs> well, well, well done. Well done. We'll have to pick over this next week when, uh, when we can uh, get over our tears. Exactly. Lick our wounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um, down but not defeated. We'll, yeah, be, exactly. we'll be back. <laughs> There you go. We have picked over it, and it's good to have your brother along to provide a bit of support <laughs> and to tell you off. <laughs> uh, exactly. I, I tell you what, though, one thing obviously I can't do when I'm tired is count because I actually finished 11th, not 10th. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Lucky legs 11. Lucky legs 11. But, yeah, well, it's uh, another experience, I suppose. Indeed. Right. Well, we have, as we discussed there, we have picked over our half marathon, and maybe that's a good time to have a chat about our topic of the week, which is a, a little bit of an intro to the history of cross-country running after this. So, Lisa, you've been or you've had your head well and truly stuck in this amazing book about the history of cross-country running yeah i have we um we tried to touch on it last week but were failed by the internet but this week we can <laughs> delve into it a little bit more and because we wanted to or our, our topic this season is cross-country and, and road racing and we put out a, a note on our, our socials and on the podcast to see if anybody had any books on cross-country because i personally hadn't read any and you couldn't think of any at the top of your head so um, we got a few requests in and actually came across the perfect book and it's called The Complete History of Cross-Country Running by Andrew Hutchinson. And I've actually reached out to Andrew and had a bit of correspondence and I'm actually going to bring him on the show to interview him so we can get a really good, solid understanding and background into cross-country running because what I actually thought about was I've been running cross-country for years because it's sort of a, a standard and a staple in, in schools pretty much across the world. But I don't know anything about like how it started and where it started. Do you know much about that? 
No, I only know about my own personal history of cross-country running, which now, given I'm in my 40s, is ancient history. <laughs> Did a fair bit of cross-country running uh, in my teenage years. But no, I don't know much about the history, so go ahead and school me. Yeah, well, it was an interesting one because as I started looking, and, and this book is perfect and I'm about halfway through it, and it literally delves right into the different eras, but it starts way back in the early 1800s, which I was blown away about because, you know, you think about the Olympics and road running and we know so much about that history. But, you know, again, there's really nothing written. And that's one of the things or one of the reasons that Andrew Hutchinson mentions that the reason why he wrote his book was he went looking for the history as well. And um, he said that, you know, he found about three lines on Wikipedia and that was all. So he started to delve deeper and deeper into it. And it really just stems on uh, Victorian era schoolboys that, you know, were playing, modelling like the fox hunts that they used to do. And you think of old English countryside and they're, you know, they're jumping over um, rocky fences and they're hurtling over you know, I'm mountains. thinking of young, young lords dressed in tweed running <laughs> through the forest. <laughs> Oh, so, you know, it's that's really where its origins come from. And if you think about some of the cross-country courses that you've run yourself, maybe not so much in modern times, but I remember when I first started out, you know, as a in primary school, you know, eight, nine, ten, and I had done courses where we literally had fences to physically climb over yep. um, and streams to jump over. And, you know, I think we're probably a bit soft in cross-country here in Australia, when I've I've seen pictures and Instagram and, and the internet is great for this now, but my club's full of British and, and European um, runners who are all too happy to tell me about how soft Australian cross-country <laughs> is. Well, some, um, of, some of the stuff in my ancient history wasn't that soft. I, I can recall doing some courses. Uh, I can't remember exactly where this one was, but it's a raceway out in the hills and it was like a 3k loop but I tell you what it was the hardest 3k run you would ever do because you <laughs> you run off from the start and then basically go straight up the side of a mountain and it's so steep that you're literally pulling yourself up the hill with a fence yeah, so there's sort wow. of like a fence going up the hill and you know at towards the top in the steeper sections you'd be kind of pulling yourself up hand over hand and then get to the top and then launch down the other side and have to run through as you described a couple of full creeks which <laughs> bring a few people undone so yeah done a little bit of that kind of really sort of billy goat sort of territory cross-country running but yeah but. well the, over i guess in in europe and the uk especially you know you see pictures of their cross-country and they're literally knee deep in mud and they're <sighs> running in snow and you know it's not it, it's not so much a the fastest person you know who wins you know maybe the track star may not be as good it's people who have got that real grit and that determination to just slog it out over these courses and because the distances you know are usually eight kilometers 10 kilometers 16 kilometers so it's a real test of determination but when I was reading through some of this information, one of the interesting things that I found out that was, you know, unlike a lot of team sports that have evolved and, and changed to sort of, you know, modern day um, times and especially today's era where everything needs to be shortened and, you know, made quicker is that cross country 
the rules pretty much haven't changed over its you know, 200 years of being in existence. And I think that's that's pretty special in today's world of change, I think, that we live in. A bit of nostalgia for the unchanged past. It, it really is. And, you know, it's it's actually a sport that is truly global. And I know that we don't touch a lot here on a lot of the elite side, but it's it could be argued that the toughest running race around is the World Cross Country Championships, where pretty much every country in the world comes together and there's 200 competitors and they pretty much run hard from the start. You've got, you know, the African nations who send up to five or six competitors and it's just a I recommend that listeners actually go and watch videos of some of these world cross countries. Like it's just, it's brutal, the pace and the the courses that they run. Absolute mayhem. (laughs) Absolute mayhem. And they're actually holding the next one in 2021, pretty much in my backyard in Bathurst. So That's right. um, Yeah, I'm going to go along and, and actually watch because I just find it amazing how fast some of these athletes can actually cover the distances on these terrains. So apparently they're also doing uh, a race for everyone who wants to come along and also run on the course, the same course as the World Championships. So I, th- I think uh, you must have listened to the same podcast as me with Tim Crosby talking about that yep. on Down the Track. Yep. So we might hook that up in the in the show notes because that was pretty interested. He was interesting as he was getting involved and describing his role in the course design process and what the course might look like. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think that's quite, that's what I love about cross country too, is that it's not elitist and, you know, you can be just someone who wants to get out there. And one could argue that park run is even a form of cross country these days because Mm. they're not run on pristine, perfect paths. I did one down in Shell Harbour, which is on the coast of New South Wales, and I hadn't been to Shell Harbour before. And I actually wanted to do like a sort of steady tempo. And I got there and, you know, in, in true park run fashion everyone welcomes you and is super friendly and the organizer said oh you know this is the most beautiful park run in all of australia mm-hmm. and i thought oh, okay that's great so i headed off to a rapid descent that i basically nearly had to rock climb down <laughs> onto the beach run along soft sand and then back up this cliff spectacular views yeah um but we traveled on grass sand road every terrain which pretty much replicated cross country so um, yeah that sounds amazing it, it, it was tough, but just sort of back onto some of the, the history is that the actual first international cross-country race was actually held in 1898 in France. Wow. Uh, so it's been going for a very, very, very long time. That's only a couple of years after the first Olympics, I think. That's yeah. 1896 from memory. It's, it's been yeah. around. But look, one of the couple of things that interesting topics I was when I've been reading this book uh, and also actually just listening to a couple of podcasts this week is the decline of cross-country and the lack of media exposure. And uh, only a, a few years ago, I think it was in two th- for the 2011 World Cross-Country Championships, there was only one country to actually bid for it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm 
I'm maybe curious to hear your thoughts on why is the decline? Because if you look across the the school scene in not just here in Australia, but you know in in America, for example, the NCAA cross country championships are just growing and growing in numbers each year. I know the school championships here locally um, are very well participated in, and even you know, Athletics Victoria with the cross countries down there are growing in numbers. Mm. But it doesn't seem to get you know the the coverage or the interest, and as we can see, you know, trying to find some history on it was yeah. a really difficult task. Well, let's look. It's probably smarter and more knowledgeable people than me that can answer that question, but it, it's definitely more of a problem that at the elite end than at the the recreational and club runner end, because as you mentioned, it's you know the athletics Victoria season and program and clubs in particular are really going from strength to strength in terms of the participation in the cross country and road racing season. I guess yeah, if I, if I had a magic wand and I was working at the IAAF, I would be pulling whatever strings and favors in to get the world cross country into the Winter Olympics, mm. and then it would get a lot more attention overall and and I know that's been mentioned a bit over the years that could belong in the winter olympics like there's no reason why it couldn't I reckon that'd be a really good idea to to schedule the the world cross country championships as part of the or have a have a cross country event in the winter olympics I think it would make a lot of sense mm, well I'll actually give you a bit of a fact because I do like a, a couple of good facts is that um the men's cross country has actually taken place at three summer olympics in 1912 oh, 1920 and 1924 wow so a very very long time ago and probably what distance why... did they race over Ah, that's one for me to actually go okay. and fact check. <laughs> Interesting. This is why we um, need Andrew. Yeah, but I am actually going to take that away and come back and, and find that out. First of all, I didn't know that until I've gone back and, and had a look into this. No, because me like neither. you, I thought, um, I've heard rumblings of it being mentioned in the Winter Olympics and I'm thinking, well, if they can put surfing in the Olympics in Tokyo. <laughs> oh, really, you know, have they? <laughs> <laughs> they have, which, you know, look, I love surfing and my husband's a surfer, but, you know, let's be honest, it's a very limited pool of people that they're able yeah. to draw to make a competition why not put cross country you know a great spectator sport you you can have you know loops of 1500 meters or two kilometers so you can constantly see the athletes go around and you know get get the general public involved I, th- I think they had the right idea at the recent world cross country championships in uh, going to get this wrong is it Aarhus? oh yeah <laughs> so, um, something like that <laughs> close enough anyway but yeah they had amazing amount of spectators and they set up specific spectator zones and they had that kind of covered section on the roof of the museum there I think where you know they had lots of chairs and I think they had a bar and people could get a get a drink and that kind of thing so and then you get to see the competitors go past at least five times so yeah pretty up close and personal and, and entertaining so there's a lot you can do with those sort of courses and I think what I love about cross country is there's actually a huge team element in it as well which can be quite lacking in the track because you can have, you know, however many people, 200, 500 people or go off in the one race. And I think they do this very well in the NCAA where there's such a huge team camaraderie that every single place counts and you know you see footage of these girls and these boys literally collapsing over the finish line just to make one place. Yeah. Um and I just love that because, you know, running is an individual sport, but when you're running for something that's greater than yourself, 
it actually makes it worthwhile and you can celebrate in your team's success as well. You do and it definitely makes you run harder. Some of my better runs I think have been either part of teams or relays um, Mm. where there were other people relying on me so I tend to push myself a little bit harder in those circumstances and Mm. yeah glad you brought that up actually because that book that I'm reading is Running with the Buffaloes and that was recommended by Julian Spence so thank you Julian I know that's one of his favorite books and I'm only in the early stages of that but that describes that team camaraderie in the NCAA system that that you were just describing in a great deal of detail. So I'm looking forward to reading a little bit further and reporting back on that in an episode down the track. Mm, Yeah, well, and then just um, sort of some finishing touches, not so much on the history, but some of the, I guess, the legends of cross-country Steve Prefontaine, um, our very own Benita Willis here in Australia, Steve Monaghetti, Rob DiCostella again, um, uh, Australian icons in distance running. If you go and look through their training or listen to podcasts or read their books, they all talk about the absolute training benefits of cross country, of running it, of training on it, and how it really toughened them up to be able to run well on the road and on the track. And you know, I think that's, you know, especially I know Monaghetti and DiCostello, they were both very big participants in like the local and the club scene in running cross country week in, week out, and, you know, would often use it as just part of their, their training. They wouldn't taper for it and they wouldn't recover from it afterwards. It was, I'm doing a 12K tempo over tough terrain in tough conditions with great competition and they're some of the best runners in the world. So I think there's a lot to be said for it. and. I really hope that we can promote it and the benefits of it and some, the listeners get something out of it uh, focusing on this cross-country series. Sounds good and, yeah, looking forward to hearing more from, from Andrew when you have a chat to him about this book and I'll, mm. I'll include the link to the book in the show notes so if people want to read ahead, they can do so. So I think that's getting close to a wrap, Lisa. What's on the menu for you over the mm. next week? Well, I had a, um, a week off pretty much pencilled in anyway, which I usually do after running the half, but it was sort of forced upon me anyway with this knee. But the bizarre thing is, is the knee's feeling fine. It was actually feeling fine on on Monday. Running is really the thing that sets it off. But because it stemmed a lot more in my hip this time, and it reminded me of when I actually, the symptoms that I had pre-surgery a very long time ago, it hasn't gotten right into that runner's knee on the side of my leg as much as it much as it can so I've uh, maybe dodged a bit of a bullet there but I've been in the gym I've been swimming and I've been on Brian's favorite the Alter G (laughs) (laughs) shocking device (laughs) I actually really enjoyed it and I watched my legs I, I put it up on our social media I watched my legs for an hour on the tv screen and was later informed that you could actually put foxtel on it so uh That might make for a bit more of an enjoyable hour next time. But I'm planning on having the next couple of days off. I'm getting a massage and I will return to land running on Sunday. So that will be a full week's break. And then I'm going to resume training and I'll sort of give you a bit of an update as to what I'm planning on doing next week. But I think it's going to be a bit more of a focus towards getting quick over 10Ks and half marathons. Do you think you're going to sort of come back with an easier week of sort of jogging or are you going to be getting back into sessions? I haven't really thought about it, actually. I have a think about it this week. We're actually going down to Melbourne, so we'll we'll get to catch up again. I was planning on running the Australian Masters Championships, actually, which is uh, on the track, but I've decided that I'm not going to do that now. I, I just 
really need to protect this knee and I was going to do a 10K. I'm not sure 10K on the track at a sort of semi-slowish pace is exactly what my knee would like. Probably not. So I might hit up a park run or something. So uh, have a chat to you about it and maybe we can tee up one together. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> what about you? What have you got on? Well, I am I am going to do probably, and I've started that today, probably a, a week and a half of just pretty easy jogging. So I just want to make sure that I've fully recovered from that half and, yeah, just spend a, spend a couple of weeks just working on my base fitness and there is a there is a race on the weekend, but I think it's probably eighty percent that I won't do that. Um, I, I think it might be better off that I do have a rest. If I do end up doing it, I think I'll just be jogging around. So I'll see how I go. But yeah, I'm pretty keen to just start building up those um, those easy miles and uh, let my body just absorb a bit of that easy aerobic training for a couple of weeks. So I'll sort of go back into that kind of safe lower heart rate running, and then just see what that what fruit that bears and then probably start adding adding back in some sessions as we get closer to some of these Athletics Victoria events over the cross-country season. Mm, yeah, very good. Well, I'm still hoping to pencil a couple of those in because they are definitely good ones to try and be a part of. Indeed. Well, I think that is a wrap. Um, looking forward to seeing how the, the next week progresses, Lisa, and hopefully the knee comes good. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. Catch you next week. <music>